There's this story that I read recently. This guy, Viplov, he's 24, and he's looking for a job. And this happened recently, by the way, February of 2022. And he gets an offer from none other than Baijus, which is really, really good for him. They tell him that he'll have six weeks of training at a 15,000 rupee stipend. And then following this, he can get a full-time job at a 45,000 rupee salary in the location of his choice. So he does his training, everything's going well. And then HR tells him, congratulations, you finished your training. Now you're being posted to Lucknow and your salary is gonna be 25,000 rupees. So that was the end of his time at Baiju's. And when he spoke to INS, he said that I decided to quit as it was impossible for me to survive in Lucknow at 25,000 rupees. Neither the location or the salary that was promised to me were agreed to. All of my friends resigned as none of them wanted to go to the locations where they had to struggle to survive. Viploof and his friends aren't alone here. In the last couple of months, India's EdTech gravy train has come to a halt. Salary reductions, forced resignations, layoffs. 2022 has been a brutal year for EdTech in India. And since the year started, nearly 4,000 people have either quit or been fired in this sector. But how did this happen? How did India's impressive, innovative, lucrative, and globally recognized EdTech industry fall on such hard times? Let's find out right after this. So Indian EdTech in its current form got its start in the early teens. You had Baiju's in 2011, Topper in 2013, Physicswala and Vedantu in 2014, An Academy in 2015, and a lot of these brands began their journey on social media. But what these educators didn't realize at the time was how the internet in India was about to explode. Geo came in in 2016, and suddenly, uploading and watching long-form educational video content became affordable, and VCs were quick to identify the huge increase in market opportunity for Indian edtech. Baiju's raised more than $100 million in 2016 and became India's first edtech unicorn in 2018. Companies like Unacademy and Topper also raised venture capital at this time, in the hopes of tackling the dismal state of education in India. But at the end of the day, this was just an experiment, a grand experiment, and nobody was sure what the outcome was gonna be. Would these hopes and promises to investors materialize into a legitimate revolution or permanent positive disruption? Well, founders said yes, and investors believed them. VCs started making projections, speculating on the edtech market's growth. And on these projections, hundreds of millions of dollars were poured into Indian edtech. Post-money valuations skyrocketed as a result, to the point where the term bubble started being thrown around. But nobody could have anticipated what was gonna happen next. In India, the pandemic continues to worsen. Everything needed to fight COVID is in short supply. The death toll keeps on rising as India struggles to cope with its COVID crisis. In 2020, global education moved online. Schools were shut down, students stayed at home, and EdTech, well, it thrived. Indian startups raised $10.14 billion in 2020, and more than 20% of this went into EdTech. In 2021, as the pandemic dragged on, that number more than doubled to $4.7 billion. Investor FOMO was real. An Academy, Erudatis, Upgrad, and Vedantu became unicorns. And what did they do with these billions of dollars? Well, they pursued inorganic growth. Marketing, acquisitions, consolidation began. Baiju's bought 13 companies. They spent $3 billion. Akash Institute, they acquired it for $1 billion. White Hat Junior, they acquired it as well for $300 million. An Academy bought 10 companies as well. And in such a frothy market, big fish are sometimes eating up smaller fish in an effort to starve the competition. 
They don't necessarily need the business. They might not even know how they're gonna integrate this new product or service into their existing suite. They're just eliminating these smaller fish as a source of competition and so that bigger competitors can't acquire them first. But sometimes, as a big fish, there is such a thing as overeating. See, every time you acquire a new company, you're taking on that business's expenses. And if that business has a lot of customers and it's profitable, then great, those expenses are covered. And even if it isn't profitable, investors were footing the bill in 2020 and 2021. Many schools and educational institutions were in a constant state of open and close, which created a gap for students and their parents, a gap that EdTech filled perfectly. But now in 2022, well, things have become more stable. Schools are staying open. Students and parents don't feel the same level of uncertainty that they did during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And a lot of them are choosing to switch back to a mainly offline educational experience. This means declining revenue for edtech startups. They have to spend more to acquire each new customer, and these customers are bringing them diminishing returns. The projected lifetime customer value is decreasing. Suddenly, all of those acquired companies, that expansion into new market territory is becoming a liability. These edtech startups have spread themselves too thin for 2022, the new, new normal, which is very similar to the pre-2020 normal when edtech was a novelty, not a necessity. In February of 2022, the CEO of Lido Learning announced in front of his employees that the company was shutting down. They were facing a funding crunch. They couldn't sustain their losses. Following this, in March, Unacademy shut down their K-12 business. And in April, it was announced that they'd laid off about 1,000 people. Vedantu was next with 200 employees fired. And then between 200 and 800 employees resigned when Baiju's owned White Hat Jr. asked them to stop working from home, which some have speculated may have been done as a way for White Hat Jr. to get rid of employees without actually firing them because they'd already laid off about 1,800 employees back in 2021, and bringing that number up to 2,000 wouldn't have been a good look. Now, so far we've mainly talked about revenue. A declining need for edtech has resulted in a reduction in revenue and customers, meaning that many employees have become unnecessary, resulting in layoffs. But there's actually another angle to this too, one that I hinted at earlier when I mentioned Lido Learning funding crunch. See, a lot of the growth that these edtech startups have seen in the last two years was paid for by investors. But now with edtech slowing down, these investors aren't quite as enthusiastic. The FOMO is wearing off, and the global economy has also taken a turn. The Russia-Ukraine war has caused supply chain issues in almost every sector, and nobody really knows how long this slowdown is going to last. So investors have become more conservative with their investments, and edtech, like every other market, is languishing because of this. And so these startups are cutting costs. They're extending their runways in the hopes of surviving this global venture capital shortage and coming out alive on the other side. And that actually leads me to the next question. What does the road ahead look like for Indian edtech? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if there were more layoffs on the horizon. This might just be the start if venture capital continues to dry up. And I also wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of startups scaling back their offerings to focus on their core business. They'll have to surrender a lot of the territory that they gobbled up in 2020 and 2021. But if they're able to do this, if they can prioritize their main business and add as much value as possible for their customers, they'll increase their chances of surviving, especially if their pricing is competitive. For example, Vedantu recently launched AI Live, a cheaper alternative to their main offering, which costs between 22,000 and 25,000 rupees per year. AI Live, on the other hand, costs just 5,000 rupees per year. Taking an omni-channel approach is another way that these Indian edtech companies could extend their lifespan. 
going offline might seem like a step backwards, but if that's where Indian customers are right now, if that's where the money is, then that's what these edtech startups need to do. For example, like I mentioned earlier, Baiju's acquired Akash, and at the time this raised some eyebrows because of the size of the acquisition at $1 billion, but in retrospect, this was a very forward-thinking thing to do. Baiju's was anticipating the end of the pandemic and education moving offline again. An academy too has launched an experience center in Delhi, and they're looking to open similar centers in Kota, Jaipur, and Lucknow as well. These stores are going to be a touch point for potential students and parents who might want to talk to an unacademy sales representative before signing up for an online course. Then you also have Upgrad, which is making the transition to offline too. They acquired offline test preparation institute, the Gate Academy, which has about 50 centers across India. And then of course you also have Physics Walla Pathshala, which is PW's offline offering for students in a number of cities across India. Now, there's one more angle that I'd like to explore here, and that's market consolidation. And every market experiences this. First, you've got this frenzy from founders and investors. There's FOMO and overvaluation, and then things peak. Big fish eat up the little fish. The market becomes saturated with these giants' offerings, and then funding slows down. Small players that haven't been acquired go out of business or sell at a less than ideal valuation, and a handful of market leaders come out on top. India saw this with e-commerce back in 2012 and 2013. You had Snapdeal and Paytm Mall and ShopClues and eBay, but now you just have Amazon and Flipkart. Same thing in food tech. There was Tiny Owl, Food Panda, Uber Eats, and they've all lost the food fight that culminated in Zomato and Swiggy coming out on top. This is just what happens in the world of startups, and edtech is no different. Yes, there are some extenuating circumstances with the economic slowdown and the COVID-19 pandemic, but when the dust settles, the results are going to be the same. Two or three winners that live on and countless smaller startups that everybody forgets about in five to ten years. Now, coming back to the present day where we have layoffs happening left, right, and center, what can be done about this? What can edtech startups do to solve this problem moving forward? Well, I think that the answer here is probably going to require a shift in the fundamentals of how these companies approach growth and hiring. Edtech startups need to establish a well-defined HR structure and policy. A hire and fire approach isn't good for optics, it isn't good for people in general, nobody wants to be fired, and it isn't efficient from a business standpoint either. Too much time and money is spent training these employees for them to be expendable. Instead, edtech companies need to start thinking long-term with their hires. They need to be more selective, they need to hire the right people, and they need to hold on to them. They need to invest in them. And this isn't just the case with full-time employees. It's the same thing with gig workers. Thinking of them as a commodity is not the right approach. Gig workers should be seen as an investment too. They should be nurtured and upskilled into long-term employees with benefits and a salary, and hopefully even ESOPs too. Where do you think that Indian edtech is going in the future? Are you optimistic about its future or are you apprehensive? Let me know what your thoughts are in a comment down below and I will see you in the next one.